You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson, starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks! Powered by Seahawks.com. Here is what we are getting you ready for this week. How about a new winning streak for the Seahawks? Jen Mueller and John Boyle from Seahawks.com with you. And John, we have had so many fun weeks talking about the winning streak, talking about the close wins. And we kind of had to put a pause and a halt on all of that celebration, given how things played out Sunday in Arizona. Yeah, that was a tough one. And it's, you know, this team prides itself so much on finishing. And unfortunately, that was... Not what they did. They gave up a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. They couldn't get the job done in overtime. It's, you know, it's a tough one, but it's really tough to win them all in this league, and now it's all about how you respond to it and how you bounce back. Unfortunately, over the years, the Seahawks have been a pretty good team at responding to adversity. Well, and they've been so good that we just assume that they would have been able to come back in Sunday's game. It is the first time under Pete Carroll or since 2012 that they have not won a game when leading by four or more at halftime. Russell Wilson had a chance to add to his string of 34 fourth quarter and overtime comebacks. And he couldn't make that happen. And I think that means that the reaction to that loss gets magnified a little bit more because still at five and one, there are some good things. The offense is still the best offense in the NFL. Do you think that some of the storylines have been overemphasized this week, John, um, because of the way that game was lost? Yes and no. I think in the NFL, we tend to overreact in general, that's what happens when you play once a week and have very passionate fans. I will say, I think the fair criticism of this team all along has been, you have this amazing offense, you have an MVP caliber quarterback, but if he can't play at that MVP level every single week, can your defense help you out? And the answer, unfortunately, this week was no. You know, Russell Wilson still did some great things. You know, second most total yards of his career, rushing and passing. But three interceptions, very uncharacteristic for him. And on a day where your defense gives up all those points and yards, you couldn't hang on and get the win. We heard from Bobby Wagner. We've heard from a lot of guys. They're not happy with the way they're playing, understandably. And I think when you look at the difference, this is a really good team as it is. They're so good offensively, and their defense does just enough opportunistic takeaways, fourth down stops, red zone stops. They do enough right now to be a really good playoff team. If they're going to be a great Super Bowl team, that's where we need to see this defense turn it up a little bit well and so a lot is being made of the fact that they did not register any quarterback hits on 48 pass attempts by kyler murray look i understand what that stat says but i also think it is a little bit misleading because it's not that the defense did not affect kyler murray right i mean they they moved moved him him. off the spot there was a point in the game where he did not look comfortable so i think that's where i'm looking at it where Yes, I get it. There needs to be strides made in being able to close out games, but I do think that that's been mischaracterized just a little bit. Yeah, and to some degree, you know, a lot of these games before this one, it was, okay, you gave up more points and yards than you want to, but you had a big lead and you still protected it and you still won by a touchdown or whatever. And those, look, you don't want to give up all the yards and points, but those don't bother me that much. But this time, you, you know, you had a two-possession lead with, you know, they got the ball back with like six minutes left, needing two scores, and 
went down and got them both. And that's just, you got it. The defense has to get you one of those stops or at least slow them down enough on one of those drives that they don't have time for the second one. So you're right. The the quarterback hits number is a little misleading because there were a lot of plays where they pressured him and moved him off his spot and things like that. But, you know, they got to find a way to affect the quarterback and they think they went out and did that this week. They did indeed. They pick up Carlos Dunlap from Cincinnati. I know that he is going to be a help. He is second all time in Bengals history with 82 and a half sacks. But John, he is not going to be on the field this week. It's impossible for anybody who's added midweek to get onto the field. Exactly. And we've talked about this also with the running back or the injuries at running back of, you know, oh, can you go out and grab somebody? You know, fans all want to say, go get Marshawn Lynch or whatever it is. But you could bring him in. It doesn't matter. He can't practice. He can't even be in the building. It's a six-day testing window for anybody who hasn't already been in the in the program with the team and going through the testing here. So Carlos Dunlap will fly in. I, I believe he's maybe already here or flying in soon, Pete Carroll said, and he'll start the testing and all that. But he won't be able to actually enter the VMAC until next week, and then he'll start practicing, and they'll add him against Buffalo. So unfortunately, you don't get him this weekend, but he's the guy they're counting on to be a big help the second half of the season. Yeah, that Seahawks defense has recorded just nine sacks in six games. Now, they've had some other numbers that look good, but that uh, that pressure on the quarterback is something that they definitely are looking to improve. And just as a point of reference, Pete said, look, that is not just the D lineman. You can bring pressure in a lot of different ways. And I think part of it is you have not seen your full complement of players on defense either, John, particularly in the secondary where we're, we are still waiting to see how Jamal Adams fits in and his return timetable. Yeah. I mean, when we, we talked about early on when, you know, they add Jamal Adams, they add Quandra, sorry, not Quandra Diggs, Quentin Dunbar. Can I tell you having two guys in the secondary with the initials QD is really confusing. And now there's a Dunbar and a Dunlap. It's recipe for chaos. But anyway, when you have all these new pieces in the secondary, we were talking about how exciting it is and how good this defense could be. And they've only had their first line secondary for basically the Atlanta game. That was it. Cause you remember Diggs got ejected early in week two. Then they lose, um, Marquise Blair, they lose Blair to an injury. They lose Dunbar to a knee injury for two games. They've been without Adams for three games. So it's been, you know, not that you want to make excuses and they've all said, you know, you still got to figure out a way next man up be better. But I do think whenever we do see Jamal Adams back on the field, whether that's this week or next week, and when all those guys can play together for a couple weeks, that's going to make a big difference. And then going back to the pressure conversation, we saw it the first two weeks. Jamal Adams blitzing is a big part of their pass rush, not just the two sacks he had, but he just caused a lot of throwaways and made quarterbacks scramble and get out of the pocket. So if you get him back, I I think we're going to see an uptick right away. Well, and I do wonder how they would use him. And then if Ryan Neal still has a spot on the field, what kind of package they come up so that you can get both of those guys on the field. You had Dunlap in. I really like where this defense is going. And I like the way the Seahawks turn the page after a loss. John, you mentioned this. Russell Wilson is really good about this. And Pete Carroll knows what his team needs to do before taking the field Sunday against San Francisco. Yeah, it's really important for us, John, every every Wednesday, regardless of what just happened, to get back on track. And, and so we have a real routine about it. You know, we know that 
big wins can can be just as difficult as a, as a difficult loss, and and uh, by, because all about distraction and inability to focus. So, um, you know, we we we're in our routine right now, and the routine should take care of uh, getting our minds right, and the practice will will certainly catch our attention. We have a good hard day today, and uh, and then we're, we're back at it. You know, we have to leave all that just happened behind us. Yeah, and that's again going back to our how we started off. This is a team that traditionally under Pete Carroll, and especially since Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner got here in 2012, that they don't lose two in a row very often at all. This is a team that tends to respond well. They learn those lessons. There, it's it. The thing Pete Carroll always talks about, and I think this is something that's easy to overlook, is there's a recovery process from winning and losing of not letting either one can linger, and it's how you kind of learn from it and you know you study the tape and you process what you need to process but not letting that either success hang over you of like all right we're great we just pulled off this big win over whoever or let that loss linger and you know they'll they'll refocus this week and i think we're gonna see a really strong effort out of them when you talk about the kind of coming back off of a great success or a loss how about the personal success how about the personal success of tyler lockett against arizona i mean we spent so much time talking about dk metcalf you almost forget about lockett and of course if you're going to cover dk lockett's going to be open but i do love what pete said about look there are guys that dream about making a couple of those catches once in their career and we saw tyler do it three times I went back and watched the the touchdown on fourth down in the back of the end zone. Every time I see it in full speed, I'm just like, there's no way. Like, he's going so fast, and he's by the time you blink, he's five yards out of the back of the end zone sliding. And then you slow it down and slow it down. It's kind of reminded me, different play, but just the the factor of the, the week five against the Rams, that crazy one on the Russell Wilson scramble, very different plays. But the one thing that reminded me is, again, at full speed, you're just like, no, that's, he's out of bounds. There's no way. That's not a catch. And then you slow it down, and sure enough, it's the guy's amazing. And you're right. I mean, DK Metcalf rightly has been getting so much attention. He's been awesome this year that it does overshadow Tyler sometimes, and that was a pretty good reminder of he's a hell of a player. And DK Metcalf even called it last week. You know, we asked him about that matchup with Patrick Peterson, and he said, you know, obviously he's going to try out, you know, go do his best and get his catches and yards as well. But he said, you know, look, if they want to put Patrick Pearson on me and put that attention on me, it's going to make opportunities for other guys like Tyler. And Tyler took advantage. We did see Patrick Peterson move around the field a little bit. We did not see DK show up in the box score at the end of the game very much. He and Pete up, Carroll though. says it's really not, uh, not, not really his fault. It had nothing to do with DK. It had, it was totally a game that we just went to Tyler and, and uh, we had we had not intended to, to you know to throw him 15 passes 15 get kept 15 catches in the game we thought it was going to be available we thought our matchup would be good uh, but he just made the most of it and and uh, just put together a spectacular night you know he, had, he I was thinking we were talking about it out here and the three catches that he had the special catches that he had were some guys that'd be the best catch they ever had in their career he had three in one night you know and, and uh, so we just kept going you know to what was available And, you know, we are breaking down this game, but you can get this kind of insider access every Thursday at 7 p.m. It is Hawks Live on 710 ESPN Seattle. Let Paul Moyer and Michael Bumpus prepare you for each and every game with their insight, analysis, player interviews, and a behind-the-scenes look at the next Seahawks matchup. So as we turn our attention to the next Seahawks matchup, what do you think that means for DK Metcalf? Is there something that he needs to get over, John? Because I know Pete said, look, it's not his fault. And yet, 
I, I don't know if DK has enough games under his belt to respond that way. I'm I'm not at all worried about DK Metcalf. I, if, I mean, you go back and look at last year, it was a much more, you know, typical rookie year if he'd have some big games and some quiet games. And he's had four straight just amazing games. And you look at, I mean, they're one holding call away from him having, you know, it only have been three catches, but it would have been a lot more yards and a game-winning touchdown if they don't catch David Moore for that hold. So it, it would change the story a little bit there. But I, I'm just, you know, you look at the body work and how hard he works and that, I mean, that, We've seen it a million times. The hustle play he made is so indicative of the kind of player he is. Of On a day the ball's not coming his way, he makes you know what was in some ways the play of the year just in terms of an effort play and just an unbelievable athleticism play. So, um, you know, I, not a lot of teams have a Patrick Peterson, first of all, and you know, the 49ers will not have Richard Sherman, which would be the guy. That would be a fun matchup. They've gone against each other in offseason workouts in the area and all that, but I, you know, I'm, whether it's this game or somewhere real soon, he's going to get back to having some big games. and I, I don't worry too much about him. Well, and it really just goes to prove what he said to us last week when we talked to DK. And he said, you know, I was a track athlete in high school. I thought about trying to become an Olympian. He looked like And it. football was my calling. And I got to tell you, I think he could do both. Yeah. I mean, he ran that, that. That was a full hundred in pads and he was flying. So that was, that was he, a fun play. Yeah. It was a really fun play. It has been turned into a meme around the internet. It's been kind of fun to see DK get that kind of spotlight. It's his second viral internet moment, which funny enough as a receiver, neither have even had to do with catching the ball. There's shirtless, very shirtless DK and now chasing down Buda Baker DK. I was going to follow up with something. Sorry, that was total nonsense. We're just going to move right along right there. How about one more note from the offense before we flip it over and take a closer look at this matchup? Look, the Seahawks have a full tight end room. We have seen them use 11 personnel and 12 personnel, but I'm not sure that we've seen the tight ends get targeted an awful lot. And uh, we did see much more of Jacob Hollister Sunday than we had at any point in the season. Well, he's he's got a little spark to him, you know. He's a good good uh, run after catch guy. Uh, Jake gives great effort. He's he's a really nice all around football player, you know. And we like his stuff. Uh, he's got versatility. We just felt like in the last couple of weeks we he was not by any design. He just didn't get the turns with the ball coming his direction, and so we really stepped it up with purpose last week uh, just to get him going and, and make sure that he was involved. And, and uh, uh, so we, I'd like to continue doing that. Yeah, I mean, it'll this, be interesting to see sorry. if that becomes the uh, it'll be interesting to see if that becomes the tight end battle this week. Right. If we see more Jacob Hollister and then we see more George Kittle. Yeah, I mean, George Kittle has been one of the best in the league since he came into the league. And uh, especially with the injuries, Debo Samuels hurt for them. And you got to think they're going to lean on that tight end quite a bit. He actually, I, I was kind of surprised to see his numbers against the Seahawks have not been, they haven't been bad by any means, but not the, the world beater type numbers he puts up around the league. And the Seahawks have had pretty good numbers against tight ends throughout this season. I, some of that might just be the way teams are attacking them because they've had some success throwing to outside receivers. But, uh, you know, anytime you're playing the 49ers, and especially when they're banged up at running back and receiver, you got to think it's going to start with, with uh, Kittle. Well, and so this is going to be interesting, and this is where I wanted to go with this conversation, right? We know that there are tough battles between the Seahawks and the 49ers, but for as good as San Francisco looked Sunday against the Patriots, look, Cam Newton was benched in that game. They handed the Patriots a 27-point loss. That was the largest 
that Bill Belichick has suffered at home in his tenure as the Patriots head coach. They outgained the Patriots 467 yards to 241 yards. So there are moments where they look phenomenal, but you know that the 49ers would rather run the ball than throw the ball. Garoppolo has been dealing with an injury. He has been inconsistent. What happens when you've got three running backs who are hurt? Which team are we talking about again? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? It would have been so obvious before we finished our game on Sunday who I was talking about. There are so many injured running backs involved in this game. No, it's you're right. I mean, this offense, this is not a shot at Jimmy Garoppolo by any means, but this offense is best when they run the ball. They you know, do a lot of this exotic motion running game that is really hard to defend. Seahawks have done a pretty good job that you go back to that game in San Francisco last year. They played it really well. And if you can slow that down and, and make Garoppolo beat you, I think that's going to help you out. I mean, granted, we've got to see this pass defense improve from what has been so far if you're going to go with that strategy. But yeah, they're they're beat up at running back. It seems like every time they have an injury, they plug somebody else in and he does well. So I don't I don't think you can assume that they get hurt and they're not going to run the ball or run it well, but it's that is an offense that definitely functions at its best when they're pretty balanced. Well, you mentioned last year in Santa Clara, they did sack Jimmy Garoppolo five times. That was the game that ended San Francisco's winning streak. Yeah, they they were, were unbeaten. Yeah. Seattle came in, knocked them from the ranks. They were the last unbeaten team in the NFL. And, you know, I know that Jimmy Garoppolo can be inconsistent, but there is something about his game the Seahawks need to look out for. He's real efficient. He's real quick with the football. Uh, doesn't hold the ball at all. The passing game is really designed off of the running game and and. Uh, if they had their way, you know, they'd throw it 10 or 12 times in the game, just like they did against Green Bay. You know, they, they, they'll, they'll run the ball all day long if you let them. Um, and they're, they're, that's a great part of their mentality, I think, um, their commitment there. Um, but Jimmy really compliments well, and uh, he certainly understands everything that they need him to do to be efficient. Well, you can understand a lot of things, but, John, as we've been talking about, and even prior to taping, the injuries are definitely going to come into play on Sunday. I mean, the Seahawks are down um, offensively and running backs, but now when I think about the 49ers offense, we don't know what that defense is going to look like. And I think that there's a whole lot of question marks as to how both teams are going to play this. Like, I know that you can look at the tape for tendencies, but I think a lot of that gets thrown out the window this week. Yeah. I mean, every team deals with injuries and it's a lot of this league is how you respond to them and how well you play through them. And the 49ers to their credit, I mean, they, they had a couple of bad losses in there and they've bounced back at, you know, when they were two and three coming off that big blowout loss to Miami with all the injuries, it looked like they could spiral pretty quick and they've responded well. Seahawks so far have had their share of injuries well, and it didn't catch up to them really until last week. And now it's, let's see how they respond. And, you know, you might not have Shaquille Griffin because of the concussion. You don't know yet about Jamal Adams. You don't know if you're going to have a healthy running back other than DJ Dallas. So it's going to be a good test for both these teams to just see, you know, who can respond best to that injury adversity and still play their game. Here's what I do know about the matchup. It is the best ranked offense in the NFL, Seattle, going against the fifth ranked defense in the 49ers. Seattle is averaging 425 yards a game, 33.8 points a game, going up against a San Francisco defense that is allowing just over 309 yards a game and holding opponents to under 20 points a game. So I know that for sure. The personnel, how this plays out, I don't know. Here's what else I do know, that if you join us each Thursday from noon 
to do for the huddle hosted by Tom, Jake and Stacy, along with Seahawks color analyst, Dave Wyman. You're going to get the inside scoop. It is your chance to hear directly from Seahawks players as they prepare for Sunday and preview the game with the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Here's what else I know, John, is that you can give me two things that have to happen for the Seahawks to come out on top in this game. Well, for starters, we just talked about the running back injuries. I think even if you do get somewhat healthy, you might have to lean on the passing game a little more just to not overburden an injured running back. So let's assume that Russell Wilson's throwing the ball a lot. I want to see no turnovers out of him. That was very uncharacteristic, the three interceptions. So clean that up. No turnovers out of Russ. After that, on the other side of the ball, we just talked about that San Francisco running game. I want to slow that down, make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you by himself, and you know, hopefully that gets to some pr- – you can pressure him some more if he's sitting back there and have to throw. But keep him under, let's say, 100 rushing yards. I'm going to get okay, greedy. Okay. I- I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Here's what I'm going to go with. How about if we get a few quarterback hits, right? We've done this. We are familiar enough with Jimmy Garoppolo to know what to expect. Even if we don't know how the personnel is going to play it out around him. How about at least a couple of quarterback hits? And how about this one? Because I I don't know how this game is going to play out. Let's just play clean football. No penalties, no silly penalties, no false starts, you know, no holdings at inopportune times. Let's just play clean football so that none of that becomes part of the game story. That's what I'm going to give you as big picture things. I like Can you it. go with that? I love okay. it. All right. Well, hopefully we have just identified what will get the Seahawks a win on Sunday. And hopefully that is exactly what we are talking about when we join you again next week for another edition of the Seahawks Insiders podcast.